Welcome to Series 2 of the Butterfly Effect podcast, joined as usual with Mel Jones. Hey, Stefan. And uh, Chelsea Ruffy. How are you going, Chels? Good, thanks, Jeff. Hi, Mel. Howdy, howdy. So it's almost WBBL Season 2 about to, uh, about to hit our TV, our TV channels, which is really exciting. We've got... Um, We've got one of Channel 10's very own commentators joining us again. Um, very exciting, Mel. Are you uh, are you all ready for the launch of the season this week? Most definitely. It's um, it's come around so very very quickly, and I think well, huge excitement around the fact that Channel 10 are broadcasting more games. So 12 on uh, 10 now, 10 of them on the main channel, prime time television this weekend and on Saturday and Sunday. But even the, the bigger point is that all the games that aren't Televised on 10 will be live streamed through Cricket Australia's uh, website as well, cricket.com.au. So every game of the WBBL this year will be broadcast, which is absolutely fantastic. That is fantastic. And how good are your plugs? Absolutely seamless. <laughs> um, I, I, I Very beautifully no, done. <laughs> at no reference to Family Feud, though. I, am well, I picking up anything there? I'm, I'm still in therapy from, from that episode. Uh, I've never been so nervous in all my life. Playing, work, interviews, you name it. Um, sweating bullets, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're a, a, hundred, a hundred normal Australians would, uh, would disagree with you. Um, well, that's but anyway... I picked flamingos. I'm still baffled by that. But anyways, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> well... We've got um, we've got a really exciting first guest um, for for our first first show of this season, Mel. We've got um, the captain of other oh, captain. We've got the coach of the Australian uh, women's cricket team. Yeah, look, fantastic opportunity. I followed the Southern Stars with their recent series against uh, South Africa, and Matthew Mott, who um, jumped on board as coach of the Southern Stars in March of last year, just before the Ashes series. He was uh, nice enough to take some time out of his day just before the last ODI to sit down and I thought what better topic to have a chat to him about but uh, coaching female athletes and he's um, got a sort of a teaching background anyways and he is loving his role with the Southern Stars but has a really uh, insightful intake on the differences if there, I wanted to know number one if there were differences but two if there are you know what are they for him uh, coaching this team? Um, and he was fantastic. And he also gave some great insights into just where the game's at and where it's going as well. Well, let's uh, let's throw straight to your fireside chat with Matt, and we'll uh, we'll come back straight afterwards. Brilliant, awesome. I'm with Matthew Mott, coach of the Australian Southern Stars team. Thanks for your time today on the Butterfly Effect. Before we get into all things coaching females. Really keen to find out how the nerves are going. Southern Stars won their first game on the second last ball. Last game, a tied match. They're testing your nerves? They are a bit and have done for a while. <laughs> I think um, what we are doing is bringing the crowds back at the moment. And um, you know, just speaking to Pete Laser about it and you know the commentary the other night, had a lot of feedback on you know, how enjoyable it was for people. Not as enjoyable in the coaching box, you can imagine. <laughs> but uh, look, South Africa are a really good side, as, as you know. And um, they've tested us. They've got some world-class players. And... Uh, we know if we don't turn up uh, at 100%, they're a dangerous side. So, you know, it's a bit of luck their way. It could have been two all in this series, and we're well aware of that. So today's a really big day for us to, to try and stamp our authority on the series. Well, I know you do have to get to the game, so we'll get through the, the important stuff as <laughs> yep. well. Yep. Um, really keen to find out about your thoughts on 
if there are any differences to start with coaching men and women, but keen also to find out how you got into the coaching path. Um, numerous years of first class cricket in Australia, Queensland and Victoria. Did you think you were ever going to become a coach when you were a player? Yeah, look, I think I always had designs on coaching. I did my level one quite early. I was still uh, about 17 at the time. So right. I had an ambition to be a phys ed teacher initially. So I, I'd, uh, my brother was a phys ed teacher, my family were teachers. So I always had an interest in education, um, but uh, it didn't quite work out. Cricket got in the way a little bit and university wasn't as flexible as they are these days. So uh, yeah, I, I think I was the most deferred student of all time. <laughs> I'd, I'd done about four years, but it took me 10. Um, and it's one of my great regrets. I didn't finish my education degree, but I think that certainly set me up for coaching in terms of you know, yeah. trying to get the best out of people and uh, you know, just trying to work with people and, and get a you know, collaborative result. So I think, um, yeah, I always had designs on coaching, but I, I did fall into it. I was given an opportunity out of the blue, when I it was probably my career was winding up. I was about 31 with Victoria. I mm. got a phone call from David Gilbert, who was the CEO of Cricket New South Wales, and offered me a job as a player coach of the second eleven for New South Wales, which was a new role. Uh, and that got it started. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And, and then it, the the cricket actually then took on the um, the coaching pathway, which yeah, yeah. I've ab absolutely loved ever since. You were appointed uh, Southern Stars coach in March of 2015, so not that long ago really. Yeah. Um, a lot of people sort of said that it was um, one, your, your playing background, but also two, um, the fact that you've coached overseas, you've coached IPL, um, you've coached in England, first class cricket in Australia, so a variety of places but also formats. Do you think that played a big role in, in you getting the job? Yeah, I think so. And I'd, I'd been working, um, you know, when I come back from my stint at Glamorgan, I, I came back to, to no role at all. And I'd done bits and pieces with Cricket Australia and through the pathway. And, and I really just got back to, to coaching uh, at lower levels, which I absolutely loved. Um, both boys and girls, you know, 13s right up to 17s. And um, if anything, it, it really brought me back into my love of coaching. I think uh, you can get into elite sport and it becomes more man management. Yep. Um, but the, you know, the nuts and bolts coaching I really enjoyed getting back to. So uh, that, you know, when the role came up, um, I was very excited by it. And you know, I was actually in line for the Victorian job when David Saker got it as well. And um, I was balancing the two and just the upside of, of this role was, uh, was very attractive. I think where the female game's gone the last couple of years, everybody's seen the growth in it and, and there's still plenty more growth to go. And um, to me, it was, it was, the timing was perfect. Uh, I'd seen the, the, the players and the calibre of the players and the success that they'd already had, but you know, it, it's something, you know, when you get around special teams and get involved, uh, yeah, I was really excited by the opportunity. You mentioned when you, you came back, you started coaching more sort of grassroots and, and boys and girls. Was that the first time you'd coached girls? Uh, I coached the, the girls team at Roughton Store Cricket Club in my proing days <laughs> back in the Lancashire <laughs> League. Uh, yeah, and, and enjoyed it. And, you know, as I found, um, I think, you, First and foremost, you have passion for coaching, and um, I get just as much joy out of someone learning to do a cover drive at 12 years old than you, you know Elise Perry or Meg Lanning or you know, you know the guys that I've coached with New South Wales. So, to me, it's it's uh, you get that joy on a daily basis seeing people improve, and um, I don't think it matters whether it's males, females, or whatever, or young players or older players. When you you see that smile on their face because they've accomplished something, I think that's that's what gets you out of bed every day as a coach. Yeah, there seems to be a just a general push in sport across the board of trying to create um, more pathways for, for females in the sport, whether it's um, playing the game or coaching or administration. When you had your interview with Cricket Australia for 
this role, did you consciously think about ways in which you were going to answer questions about coaching females and what you can bring to the table? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you're learning all the time. I, I certainly read some articles uh, from people who'd done it before and, yep. and asked a lot of questions. We were lucky enough when I first got involved, Rick Charlesworth, obviously right. very prominent <laughs> male and female coach, was involved. Um, I'd already got the job by that stage, but, you know, just listening to his insights over a number of years and it's pretty similar to what my philosophy was that you're coaching athletes you're not coaching gender um, and yeah there are some subtle differences at times and um, yeah we're all aware of that but um, <laughs> yeah it's nothing that you can't get your head around and we're lucky we've got some great leaders within our playing group as well and you know Meg Lanning, Lisa Perry, Alex Blackwell who've been around the team for a long time so I can bounce a lot of things off them if there's potential you know conflicts or issues coming up and I I think that's the strength of our group that I do try and empower our coaching staff and players to you know get around and, and work things out themselves as well yeah. you say subtle differences this is where we're going to get nitty-gritty a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I, I think it's important particularly with um with males coming into into sport into coaching females that these things aren't sort of spoken about openly yep. enough and I, I don't think they're you know too dastardly sort of thing, yeah. but um, let's go with the subtle differences to, to start with. Yeah, look, I think uh, the, the first thing you think about is your language that you use, and, and that's not swearing, it's, it's obviously um, the way you try and motivate players is, is really important. Um, yeah, I learned pretty quickly that uh, you've got to be very careful about generic messages, and especially if they're, in your opinion, constructive criticism, because um, uh, the analogy was that when you speak to males and, and deliver some, you know, um, unwanted advice yep. that um, every male will agree with you but think it's someone else's fault. Right. Yeah, so we're <laughs> quite contrary if you're speaking to females, even though you might not be speaking to them, they think that you're speaking directly to them. Yep. So I, I learned that pretty early on and, and had read about that. So yep. you know, when we be really careful if you do want to deliver you know, some strong messages, uh, it's probably done more on an individual basis. Right. Um, yep. Take the time out and and speak to them individually, but once again, that, that crosses over to the males a fair bit as well. You know, no one really likes being um, uh, nailed in, in public, so yeah. <laughs> I think the best, the best tough messages are done in those private conversations. Yeah. But, um, you know, everything else around it, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, you've got to be aware of the player, but that, that's, that's coaching, I think. Um, you've got to find out, and, and that's that collaboration, I guess. So. Yeah. When you come in fresh as a coach, and certainly as a successful team that it was, I, I wasn't coming in to, to make too many big changes straight away because yep. it was a, it was a product that was working pretty well. Yeah. The, the other comment that's often made is that females are more coachable than than males. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, I think that's your initial impression, but um, yeah, I think they'll definitely give it a go first. Yep. Um, but they don't. I, what I have found is that they'll they'll give it a go, but if they don't believe in it, they'll make a pretty good decision pretty quickly. I, yep. I think. You do need, with males, you tend to, you have to get their trust a little bit more first. Um, and a lot of that trust from, that I've seen in males is based around previous record, is the, right, is the yeah. step in the door. Whereas yeah. I think, um, you know, I think a female, if, if you've developed some empathy with them, will, will certainly try things a lot, yeah. uh, a lot more readily. Yeah. Um, but also the best players still, you know, um, sift through that information and, and make the thing that's best for them um, yeah so uh, but th that initial buy-in definitely and that's the thing that most coaches that come into the game is they just get this real joy out of the fact that their message seems to be getting heard a little bit earlier yeah. I'd say is that is that enjoyable for a coach then because you've got um, I suppose a bit more of a blank canvas and you can try a few different things a little left of field yeah you, yeah it is but you've also got to um, not breach that as well because yeah. um, you know you do you know, 
if you go in and make too many changes, those simple messages can get you know, very mixed up in their heads. So yeah. just... The other one I've heard about a little bit is, um, is the confidence levels between males and females. Do you find as a coach that you need to address that in, in different ways? Absolutely. It's a really good question that I, I think, um, particularly in the T20 format, I think um, a lot of the times with you know the male bravado and you know that aggression that you get naturally i think um you actually as a coach need to temper that and so yeah you know, just for example talking about a t20 innings for batters you know you talk i would normally talk about building a solid base you know then and then it coming hard at the back end of the innings yeah um and know full well that they're going to come out hard anyway yeah but you know the language to them is like let's pull it back a little bit whereas I found with our team, particularly in T20, that we've actually had to say, right, you've got our trust. Go out there and hit the ball. We won't, yeah. we won't nail anyone if they're playing the right shots and it just doesn't come off on that particular day. So, yeah, I think you, it's a little bit of a reverse of that. So mm -hmm. you're trying to push that confidence a little bit harder and yeah. get players to get outside their comfort zone. I mean, someone like Elise Perry, she wouldn't mind me saying, but you know, her game is very structured and has been for a while. And, one of the big things that we as a coaching group has been on is, is trying to get this train ugly mentality where yeah. it doesn't always look great and you know it might feel pretty ordinary on a day but there's real learning that's happened and yep. and that's where the real growth happens down the track so yeah Pez has been great with that you know and that's it's hard to change because it's been very successful for her over a long period of time her, yeah her, she's an absolute model of consistency <laughs> um, but we still think we can take her batting to another level again um, yeah. so um, yeah, all those sort of things, but that's that's really important. And every player is very different. You know, you you've got your young players who are really looking to to survive in that environment to start with, and you you've got to nurture that as well. And there's yeah. some players that need a little kick up the backside as well. Yeah. Do you think the the WBBL format is obviously a massive benefit to women's cricket, but it allows a platform now for particularly for Sun Stars players to go back and create that just play mentality a little bit more and it gives them a structure that gives them a competition where it's, it's so much closer to international cricket. Yeah, I, I think there's so many benefits from it. I think it's just opened up, um, you know, that more aggressive and, and just the product that's come out of it is, you know, I watched some fantastic WBBL games last year, um, you know, and young players getting an opportunity that they wouldn't have got before, you know, we've got more teams. Uh, so there's so many upsides to T20 cricket. Um, I do like the, the one day stuff as well, but um, my personal opinion, and this is my first chance to air it publicly, is I'd love to see it go 40 overs. I, I think 40 over cricket I've seen in the UK work really well. Yeah. Um, you sort of get around about the, the same scores and just 10 less overs. Um, yeah. And I think that's that would really suit, particularly the female game, but I, I wouldn't mind it in, seeing it in the male the game either. As well. yeah. um, and and I've, you know, it was really successful in England. Um, they changed the format because of leading into World Cups, but um, I think there's a few people looking back and saying that that, that was a better product as a yeah. game. So I'd like to see that, particularly in, in youth cricket. So there, there is that you know, extra bit of urgency throughout the innings. Yep. Um, you've, still, you've still got enough time to score 100 yep. if you bat properly, um, and you can take fifers, but probably just gets rid of you know, 10, 10 of those dead overs that yeah. um, you know, everyone sort of looks back and it's part of the game, but you yep. know, I think we can make the product even better. Um, it bring me to an interesting point. I wasn't going to go here, but we might as well know that we're here. Um, after the, the Ashes series, a successful one for Australia over in England in 2015, there was, we had a lot of male commentators sitting yep. there watching the game, and they've been involved in the game for, for many years, and I think they were quite reluctant to initially, but the, now yep. that they've got to know the players and the format, they, they thoroughly enjoy it. Now they're starting to think, 
along the lines of, this is a great game, how can we make it better? So there's yep. a lot of comments around shortening the pitch, yep. making the ball shorter, fiddling with boundaries, all those yep. sorts of things. What, what's your take on how that sits with the women's game and trying to keep it as cricket, but still trying to put the best product on the park? I think those ideas are all good to throw around. Um, yeah, look, I wouldn't change the pitch length. Um, I think you know wickets like we had at North Sydney Oval are really important, where we leave grass on it and there's pace on the ball. Yep. I think that's. I think everyone wants to see a quicker, faster game. Um, and the next, for me, the next evolution of female cricket is is having a production line of fast bowlers, and I think that will happen um, through our strength and conditioning program, getting access to the best talent earlier. Um, so, uh, do you think we could see a 130 bowler? I don't see why not. Mm. I, th- I think that's probably around about the limit. But um, you know, we just got to have more bowlers bowling 120 plus. Yeah. I think for the game, um, it is too reliant on spin bowling at the moment, which is is fine. Uh, and it, it, you could argue that that's the same in the men's game in, in the in the limited overs formats that the spinners yeah. uh, tend to dry it up more and and probably take more wickets these days. But yeah. um, I'd love to see a couple of you know, young fast bowlers come through, and that's certainly part of Joe Dawes' brief, is, yep. is to identify the next level of talent coming through. Um, and the more we get WBBL on TV and you know, young young players see you know, our best players out there running around, we will yeah. get that best talent, and I think um, that's, the next, that's the next path for me. So I wouldn't be mucking around too much. I think the ball's the right size. It's a little bit smaller than the men's. Um, I think you would damage the credibility of the game if you shorten the pitch. Um, but you know, I think the batters have evolved uh, a little bit more than the bowlers in the last five to ten years. I think yeah. you know, we throw throw balls to our top batters um, and they can cope. You with can't it. get Meg Lenning out. That's right. I hear. Yeah, yeah. And I try. <laughs> and I've got a flinger that I can you know, throw it at you know, 125 and it's no issue for it. Yeah. Um, Nick Knight, who you would have commentated with yeah. a lot, watched a lot of cricket. Um, you know, he made the comment that he could see her playing uh, county cricket in the second division over there, which is a, a big rap for her. Yeah, massive. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't like comparing that that often, but that's a big rap. And, and I agree. Like I've thrown balls to some of our top players, and um, <laughs> they they can cope with that extra speed. So what we need to do is as a um, cricket fraternity is just getting more fast bowlers out there and yep. you know, getting getting them in the gym, getting stronger and, and quicker. And and I th- the big, other big thing is get some height in our bowlers as well. Yeah. So we get that bounce that really tests them. You know, when we get Holly Furling on track, she's you know she's she's a real work in progress at the moment. But get her hitting those hard areas that someone like Goswami is hitting from from India. Yep. Uh, and I think that's that's. That's our next big uh, yep. thing on the agenda, anyway. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there seems, which is great, there's a lot more female coaches at the, at the state level these days across WNCL and, and WBBL. Do you find, I'm going to put you in the players' shoes here, do you think the players respond differently to a male and a female coach? Oh, I, well, I've spoken to girls, and I, like, I think they just want the best coaches. They yeah. don't care whether it's male or female, and I think... Um, there's different strengths in all coaches, but we've you know we've got some great female coaches out there at the moment. I think there's going to be a lot more female coaches coming coming in because, as you know, that there's a lot more reason to hang around in the game than there probably was 10 years ago. So, hopefully, we don't have that talent drain of our best players being lost to the sport. Um, and you know, I think that's a big job for Cricket Australia and certainly Darren Holder. The, the coaching pathway is to identify some players in our group now who are going to be the next era of coaches. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's a male-female thing. I think, obviously, um, you know, if, if you've come in with some cricket credibility, you get your foot in the door and that helps. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's how you manage the, the playing group that's going to 
see the group thrive or, or, or not thrive. So, it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the players on yeah. that. And everyone will be different. I mean, yeah. there'll be, be different opinions within our group, I would have thought. And, um, you know, different players at different times need different coaches as well. So you, that's one of my things is you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Uh, and that's important to have good staff around you. Yeah. On that, do you find that you're, you're seeing the girls more and more these days because they're pretty much full-time professionals. Yep. Are you, do you find yourself more as a skill development kind of coach or is it a lot of it player management and you let some of the skill development more come at whether or not they've got one-on-one coaches like Nick Lanning or a, yep. or a state coach to look after that side of things? Yeah, I think it's a real balancing act. I, you know, I'd go nuts if I just was the coach standing out the back of the nets running the <laughs> show. Like I'd like to get in there and throw balls and you know, run fielding drills. But at the same time, we've got great staff around us. Uh, you know, Sonny Kelly does some great work on our analytical side of the game. You know, Tim Coyle is you know, 30 odd years of first class coaching experience in the, around the game and, and Joe Dawes has been the bowling coach for India as well. So there's a hell of a lot of talent to tap in on. Um, and going forward we want to get more of that, more of the female players of yesteryear involved. You know, the Shelley Nitschkes and Lisa yeah. Kiteleys and, and those guys will certainly come on tours at different times and um, they're, they're doing some great jobs within the states, but um, yeah, I think it's important that we, we keep looking for the best coaches, regardless of gender. Has there been an instance where you just scratched your head and went, oh, I don't know, don't know what to do here? <laughs> um, oh, look, I, we were pretty disappointed with that tie yesterday, and uh, it wasn't so much that I didn't care that we, we tied or we lost or whatever. I, I, I just thought we'd taken a bit of a step back from what we'd talked about. Um, we really want to push the envelope with our batting and, and you know, look to score those two 80-plus scores. And I just yeah. thought we we just lacked a lot of intent for a long time. And um, you know we were pretty honest and candid about that. Um, but I'd actually turned it back onto the players. And Meg ran a really, really good session yesterday that there was no coaches involved. And yeah. um, the girls come up with some real plans and real commitment to that. We've, we've talked and did, to... Sorry, did she drive that or did you suggest I, that? Well, I, I got her to do it. Yeah. She, she came up with some great ideas and I said, well, you don't need me for this. Uh, yep. I think you've got it under control. And so the coaches took a step back and the, yep. the playing group got together. And um, yeah, from what came out of it, um, they presented back to us. Uh, it was really good. And it was just a probably a realignment and recommitment to what we've been speaking about. Yep. Um, but yeah, we were disappointed with that the other day. Um, you know, we... We had a hundred game player and we wanted to, to win the game for her and two deputants. Yeah. Just it was more about our lack of intent that we were disappointed with. So this is a big game for us to bounce back. Regardless of the result, we just want to see that um, what you said earlier about that uh, ability to extend yourselves a little bit more and take a few more well calculated risks. Yep. Um big summer ahead that leads into World Cup as well, so probably you know, big t- 10 months really. Yeah. Um, just for you yourself, I mean it's becoming more and more hectic lifestyle as well, do you find time to actually just chill and relax? And Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, well certainly up here at Coffs Harbour it's been a bit more interesting. We, we've got a pretty good uh, crew that like to get out and we've actually brought our road bikes up here and got out. That, that's yeah. a really good one for me just to clear the head and yep. get out there and we've got a few keen golfers as well. So. We do, we do try and do that, and that's something we try to impress on the playing group as well. We, we all love the game of cricket, but you can't just do it 24-7, and we try and really push them to, to take a break and take a bit of time out. Um, but, yeah, I've been on the road, and, you know, we've got a four-month-old baby, little baby girl, Miller, at home, so that, that's tough, but I think the balance is, um, is about right. I think we're playing enough cricket without being too much, and... I've often said I, I don't know how the, the men's team do it. You know, they're away from their families for you know, 11 months of the year, and that's that's a real you know, tax when you've got kids growing up. So 
Uh, I'm really loving the amount of travel we got. It's it's enough. Uh, yep. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be too much more. I don't think my wife would either. But uh, yeah, certainly uh, it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of years just how much to try to cram into the Future Tours yeah. program because there's obviously a, an appetite for the game uh, and it will increase. Um, just to wrap up, Moody, the I think the, we know the girls love playing the game. Yep. From what I've seen it, you know, when I was coaching in club sport and things like that, even across all sports, not just cricket, is that it, you get the sense that girls aren't big as big a watchers of the game as, as boys are growing up or they don't talk about it as much post-game. Mm. Do you think that's changing at all? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's another great one because um, that's something myself and Meg have really impressed on the group that uh, we, in our last trip to Sri Lanka, we actually had, um, it was a compulsory go back to the team hotel and we had a minimum of 15 minutes where we had to sit together and just uh, have a soft drink or a beer, whatever you wanted, yeah. and just talk about the game. Yeah. And um, what we found was that once we did that, that people were staying for an hour, hour and a half and all that. It was just, a, it was, it was come for 15 minutes and go off and do your own thing if you want. Yeah. But people actually went, oh, this is good, you know, like, and we're talking to different people in a nice, relaxed environment outside of that team Invo- you know, team meeting sort of structure yeah. and just talking cricket and I'd say that's that's one of the most important things that we can bring um, you know we've got a few ex-players in the group that see the value in that change room chat you know like for one of these Talia McGrath to sit next to Meg Lanning for five minutes and talk about how she goes about the game and that's, yeah. that's absolute gold yeah. uh, so that's something we definitely encourage um, and I would say that it, it maybe in the past it, it wasn't there as much as it should be because um, you know, there's been times even some of our best players over the last um, 18 months, in my opinion, have, haven't really read the game as well as they should have yeah. for the amount of cricket they had played. Yeah. So those casual conversations are really critical about you know, the debrief. Without, yeah. you know, and I think anyone, you learn more when it's a nice, relaxed environment and you, it's not, there's no agenda set on what you yeah. have to talk about and it just evolves yeah. through that conversation. So, yeah, we're big on that. Well, there was an agenda set today. Thank you very much for talking all things coaching no females. I think you're right with the casual conversation. That was yep. absolutely spot on. I hope the, the girls do more of that um, yep. and get better and better. They're number one in the world now. I'm sure they'll continue that next year in England as well. But we thank you for your time. Thanks, Mel. Cheers. Okay, so welcome back to the Butterfly Effect. Fantastic insights from uh, from Matthew Mott. Chelsea, what uh, what was uh, yes, Def. Well, I um I absolutely love those uh, the, the things that came out of that interview that uh, that Mel did with Matthew, and I think a couple of major points came out of it for, for me. The first one was training ugly, and that idea of um you know Matt was talking about um I guess teaching uh, the women he coaches to, to train ugly and to really embrace, I guess, a confidence and an aggression um, and take it on the field. But I think it's also that, that idea of, of not being afraid of failure, um, not being too risk-averse to have to do, um, you know, what's necessary in terms of harbour that aggression. And I think women in sport, um, perhaps in the past, have had a little bit of a stereotype attached to them in terms of, you know, there's a type of woman who plays sport, but I think the more we can embrace um, the fact that it's okay to, to show a bit of aggression as a female or to um, show a softer side from time to time, um, if you're a man as well, um, I think the more we can break down these stereotypes and really, um, yeah, just embrace the different facets of, of us as human beings. But um, I don't know what you guys thought about that aspect. Yeah, I think for me, Chelsea, I, I get exactly what you're saying in terms of the, the train ugly. I think you could probably almost take it two ways, and I and I did take it two ways. One of them was exactly the point that, that you just made. The other one 
for me is that I think, particularly within the cricket environment, um, is that because there's a, a big difference between the power between men's and women's cricket, and a lot of the comments always about, made about women's cricket is that we make up for it for the technical side of things, and technically we're exceptionally correct. I think mm. because that's been a positive comment about the sport all the time, we probably focus on it so much that we lose the opportunity just to get the job done sometimes out in the middle. And I think that's where Matthew Mott's also trying to say, sometimes it doesn't matter how you look, you've just got to get the job done. And so sometimes you've got to train ugly like that so that you can do it out in the middle as well. So someone like a, an Elise Perry or a Meg Lanning, they look technically absolutely beautiful. But sometimes when you know push comes to shove in a game, you might just have to get a little bit ugly um, and not look technically perfect to actually get uh, get the team over the line. Well, I think in sport, no matter who's playing, I, lo- I love it when someone brings a bit of passion and enthusiasm and excitement to it. They're the players that I remember um, just as much as the you know the players who who look technically um, you know textbook perfect. Um, I, I love a bit of personality, bit of bit of passion and and flair for for my sport, whether it's cricket, footy, or or otherwise. Um, the thing that what the comments uh, that I really uh, I really enjoyed was when Matthew talking about you know you, you you provide feedback to to a group of blokes and everyone agrees and thinks that they're talking about someone else, whereas you provide that feedback to women or everybody thinks you're talking about them personally. I thought that was just a fascinating insight into the uh, into um, the uh, oh well, it is the, and the it is something that um, I think I that's say. a bit of a you know. A, a stereotype as well in terms of you look at, you know, females like, you know, can internalise that sense of criticism. Um, males, on the other hand, tend to externalise it, um, you know, rewarded for perhaps being a bit bravado. Um, but I think, yeah, what was interesting for me was I think Matthew also made the point that it's, it's about the individual and I think regardless of gender, it's about being able to communicate effectively one-on-one with, with each and every player to, to get the best out of that person as an individual, um, that was probably another aspect that, that came out of it for me. Hmm. I've met plenty of, plenty of neurotic um, blokes who are just as worried about any bit of criticism or feedback they're given. So Bingo. I'd agree, it's not just the girls. And Mel, uh, this, this probably ties in, ties in really nicely with, with kicking off w, uh, WBBL se- Season 2. Um, what, are, what are you sort of... Um, you know, I'm actually, I, I was upcoming, so upcoming surprised season. about last season, which, you know, I feel quite guilty <laughs> saying that, that it went so very well. I think what I'm, the, it was jam-packed last season. It was, the teams were tra- travelling over the place. They were playing sometimes, you know, four T20 games in, you know, five days or even three days. So there was a lot of back-to-back games. The girls and the players and the coaches and everyone involved were, they were, stuffed by the end of the season and you could almost see it in the way in which they were playing the games everyone was getting quite tired off the back of some pretty big heavy international workloads so I think the exciting thing for me is that all the players and all the teams now know what's expected of them and how hard it is and I think they've trained well for it and I think we're just going to see better quality games right throughout and I think that's the most exciting thing for me is that we will and will have to put together better packages to just get the game out and about just so much more. Mel, Mel I was actually thinking about that recently. Um, you know, you're someone who's been involved in the game for so for so long now. Um, in terms of the depth of talent, like just touching on what you've just said, it seems to me like there is just such a depth of talent. And 
I guess I'm just you know wanting to know compared to when when you were playing um, how has that landscape changed yeah massively and I think it you probably look if you even if you compared the southern stars to when I was playing to to now I, I don't think that the quality of player has specifically changed too much if you took a Karen Rolton or a Belinda Clark or Catherine Fitzpatrick back in the team that I was in mm. you know they would still be being picked today I think they'd probably even be better than what they were because of the fact that they'd be full-time pretty much professional athletes so that's scary <laughs> scary in itself I think what it is though is that there's probably now more and more players underneath pushing for those spots all the time so not only in the Southern Stars team but now also in the WBBL and then all of a sudden you've also got countries now sitting up and saying, actually, we want our players involved as well. So India and the BCCI have allowed um, their players to be uh, accessible, to be selected this year. Two players from India coming over, Smriti Mandana with the Heat and Hamanpreet Kaur with the Thunder. And that is fantastic for women's cricket in India, um, but also fantastic for, for cricket here in Australia. Very, very exciting. It would be remiss of us not to make any reference at all, Mel, about your uh, star appearance uh-huh. role in the new Vic government um, Change Our Game campaign, which is absolutely fantastic because you, you are the face of you know, a really great campaign to, to prioritise gender equality in, in uh, sport. Do you want to just share a quick, uh, some quick insights into what that cam- campaign's all about? Change Our Game, awesome campaign. I must admit I was really taken back when I was asked to be involved in it. But when they explained the whole concepts by it, I actually thought my life in sport actually fits exactly what they were talking about, which is trying to change that unconscious bias around women and girls being involved in sport. Um, and it was also great to know that the work that we did with the, um, the task force looking at women and girls getting involved in sport and the recommendations that we came up with last year, that the state government took them on board and were really proactive with trying to... Um, to actively put them in place uh, in the broader landscape. So we now have this fantastic platform called um, Change Our Game where anyone involved uh, in sport or education or health who, who really want to make a difference with women and girls getting actively, in, not only actively involved, but making sure that there's that, we're removing the, the gender inequality out there for them. It's a fantastic resource. So there's, they've just got so many resources that hopefully fit um, anyone who's looking for for some um, resources that, to help them get their sport or their club uh, on the right platform. It was exceptionally embarrassing, I must admit. You're, you're getting a 3D figure made of you and you've got you know, kids talking about their superheroes being male and all those sorts of things, but um, I think the video came out really well. The kids at the school were absolutely brilliant um, and now I've just got to get used to uh, a lime green figure of myself popping up every now and again. I think well, that is but... awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Never, never thought well, like that. my colour, but there you go. <laughs> well, the, the video is an absolute cracker. Changeourgame.vic.gov.au for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Mel, you are definitely the, the star of the show. A number of very cute kids in there that try and uh, steal the limelight, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worth a watch and uh, worth checking out over the summer of sport. So, look... Um, that's, uh, I think that's a wrap for the first episode in Season 2 of The Butterfly Effect, and we've got, uh, we've got plenty more to come in the, the weeks ahead. So thanks, uh, thanks everyone, and, and goodbye for now. Over and out. Cheers, guys.